This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bick in the, this week's Parshat HaShavua Shia. The Parshat is Parshat Toldot. Uh, most of Parshat Toldot deals with the Beracha, the blessing that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov, intended to give to Esav, gave to Yaakov, a different blessing that he gave to Esav, and finally a final blessing that he gives to Yaakov. Uh, it's also true that Pasha Toldot is the one Pasha which tells us about Yitzhak's life, about Yitzhak's, I would say, his career, his active life as a forefather of the Jews. And in fact, almost the only thing described is that he gave the Bachot, he continued the Bacha of Avraham by passing it on to, to, to Yaakov. It's true, in the beginning of the Pasha, after describing the birth of Esav and Yaakov, there is a, a rather short story uh, describing how Yitzhak lives in the land of Gerar, his relationship with Abimelech, the king of Gerar, and his dispute with the local shepherds and the digging and the digging of wells. But nonetheless, um, at least half the Pasha, if not more, and the more significant part, the more uh, prominent part of the Pasha, describes how Yitzhak decides or picks not necessarily through his own initiative, he who would be his successor, namely Yaakov Avinu. There is a second theme which I think often we conflate with the first, and that is not the Beracha, but the Bechora, not the blessing, but the uh, firstborn status of Yitzhak's children. The very beginning of the Pasha, after Yaakov and Esav are born and begin to grow up. It says, the, the youths grew up and they went in different paths. Esav is the outdoors type. Yaakov was in the tent. And then it explains the distinction between Yitzchak and Rivka in relationship to them. Yitzchak liked Esav precisely because he was the outdoor type. The man of the field who hunted. But Rivka hated Yaakov. Doesn't explain why. Presumably based on the previous Pasuk that explained that he was hunting in the field and he was sitting in the tents. That's why Rivka liked Yaakov. And then you have the story of Esav coming home one day from the field, <clears throat> famished and tired, asking Yaakov to give him from the porridge that Yaakov had prepared, Yaakov sells it to him for the Bechorah. He says, I will give this to you if you will sell to me your Bechorah, et Bechorat Chali, your firstborn status. And Esav agrees and he sells it to Yaakov. The question is, what is the significance of this sale? The larger question, which if we don't know the answer to, we won't be able to answer the first question is, what does it mean, a Bechorah? What's the significance of being the Bechorah or of acquiring the Bechorah? Merely the status, the fact of being firstborn, you really can't sell. There has to be some legal or spiritual or certain stature accorded to the natural firstborn, which is what Yaakov is acquiring from Esau. There is a natural inclination to assume that it's the status which guarantees later on the bracha, 
In other words, the Bechor is the continuation. He's the inheritor. We're all familiar with the institution of primogeniture, um, that inheritance, different kinds of inheritance, but inheritance is not divided up equally among all the children or even among all the sons, but the Bechor, the firstborn, has a greater right. In halacha, in monetary inheritance, Bechor gets Pishnaim, he gets two portions. In other words, if there are three sons, one is a Bechor, the Bechor gets half, the other two sons get a quarter. There are other areas, which in halacha as well, primogeniture takes place, and that's also what it usually very often happens in, uh, to this day, in certain other statuses, let's say in Western Europe. Uh, for instance, in the kingship. That's an area where you really can't divide it up. Although you probably could, you could divide the kingdom into three. But if you wish to have only one king, then one of them, one of the children has to be the king. And that's, in legally in the Western European system, was the, was the Bechor, was the firstborn, he had the first right. And there is a halacha which reflects that, although not as exactly. In halacha, the firstborn of the king has precedence to the other children, assuming he is worthy. In other words, uh, if they're all worthy of being king, you basically pick the king who's going to be the best king. But if they're all more or less equal, so the firstborn takes precedence for kingship. Same thing true for Kahuna Gedola. The firstborn of the Kohen Gedola is expected. It's not automatic, but he's expected to fulfill his father's place in the, in the priesthood. Um, but what does it mean here? In other words, because of that precedence, we, we assume, perhaps, some of us assume, that, okay... Yitzhak's legacy, not necessarily his physical possession, but his spiritual legacy, uh, needs to be passed on and continued. And so there's an expectation that the firstborn will get it all. Again, not pishnaim, not double, but like the kingship, and like the kuhunag that the firstborn would get it all. And that's why Yaakov buys the Bechorah, because he wants to be uh, the continuation he wants to be the next Av. He wants to be the founder of Am Yisrael. He has the same spiritual aspirations as Abraham and Yitzchak. And therefore, but to, to ensure it, he buys, literally buys, the, uh, the Bechorah from Esav. I think it's clear from the Pasha that that's incorrect. We see this in a number of ways. First and foremost, uh, because Esav says so. Now you might be disinclined to believe Esav, I think the way the Pasuk is structured indicates that Esav is correct. Yitzchak more or less accepts it. And the language of the Pasuk that I'm going to quote gives the distinct impression that it's, it's, it's built up as being a, 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 a literal statement of fact. When Esav comes to get his bracha after Yaakov receives his bracha, and it's too late, Esav bitterly complains about what has taken place. And uh, he said to his father, he says to Yitzchak, after Yitzchak actually tells him the truth, Yitzchak tells him, your brother has taken your beracha. Esav says, Esav says, his name is Yaakov, which Esav assumes or interprets as being uh, deception or, or fraud. And he has defrauded me twice. He took my Bechorah, 
He took my firstborn status and now he's taken my beracha. So Ezeb is expressing double disappointment. He's saying, okay, he stole my, took, stole, uh, tricked me into giving him the bechorah once several years ago and now again, pa'amayim, now he's done another same kind of deception of, 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 uh, of criminal activity because he's taken my bracha. The assumption is that Esav accepts the fact that he sold the Bechorah, but he still thought he would get the bracha, and no one seems to argue with him about this. In fact, he turns to Yitzchak and says, can I still have a bracha? And eventually Yitzchak gives him one. But it's not only Esav who says this. I think Yitzchak says it as well. After all, if the bracha goes automatically to he who owns, who is considered to be the legal bechor, and that's the system, then why is it giving the bechora? Why is it giving the bracha to Esav? To so say, well, maybe he didn't know about the sale. That, that, that's a technical answer, which I, I, I think more or less subverts the point of the story. If he didn't know, then someone should have told him. I mean, if it's a legal necessity, if the bechora has a right to it, so someone should tell you it's like that those are the facts. You can give all sorts of, of I say, of, of, of literary answers to that. We take the story as being a, a, a story about two particular people, so why did they tell him? Maybe they didn't want to tell him. As I said last week, maybe Rivka specifically didn't like confronting Yitzhak directly, but, but the pastor tells us why. Yitzhak is giving Esav the bracha, and it's not because he's the bracha. Yitzhak is old and a bit fail. It says his eyes are weak. And he calls Esav and says to him, go out, take your bow and arrow and hunt some game for me. Prepare for me food and I will eat. And then I will give you and then I will give you a bracha before I die. Now since we know it, it said previously, in the beginning of the Pasha, that Yitzchak loves Esav, he, prefer, he genuinely prefers Esav because of this Tzayid Befiv, because of this hunting ability and the food that is produced, the game that is delivered by the hunter. And now he says, go out and hunt for me so that I should give you a bracha. I think it's clear Yitzhak is saying that he's given the bracha to Esau because he loves him. And he's asking to, since he knows the love is really based on their shared love of, uh, of, of, of venison or game or whatever Esau is hunting. So he says, bring me this particular sign of, love, of our love and that will increase my love for you at this very moment and I will give you this bracha before I die. Rivka, who hears this, wants Yaakov to get the bracha And she doesn't refer to the Bechorah. No, no, nobody mentions the Bechorah. She doesn't say to Yaakov, hey, you're the Bechorah, you should get it. She just says, do what I say. He's going to give it to Esav. Let's make sure he doesn't give it to Esav. You're going to go, and you're going to fool your father, and you're going to get the Bechorah. The word Bechorah is never mentioned here. Till Esav mentions it, as I said before, when he says that he's been defrauded twice. I think the Pasha is making a distinct a, a, a distinction, a, a, a clear distinction between the beginning of the Pasha where Yaakov uh, gets the Bukhorah, twists Esau's arm into selling him the Bukhorah, and what takes place many years later 
which requires an elaborate scheme on the part of Ifka to get uh, to get the bracha, this particular bracha that she's interested in getting for uh, for Yaakov. Now, in the beginning of the pasha, when Yaakov steals the when Yaakov steals when Yaakov uh, buys the bracha uh, the bechorah from Esav, there's no indication what he wants. Like, what, what what's his plan? What what does he expect? Why is he doing it? Doesn't say it at all. There's no. I don't think there's any been a hint of it. Esav comes, says, "I'm hungry." Yaakov says, "Sell me your bechorah." Esav says, "I'm going to die. What do I need bechorah for?" Yaakov says, "Great," and sell it. Swear to me, and he and 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 he sells. And swears uh, and sells him the bechorah in return for a a pot of porridge, uh, and that's it. What, what was Yaakov trying to get? In other words, the more important question: What is the bechorah? If it's not the magnet for the beracha, then what is the bechorah? It's a very difficult question to answer, but bechorah plays in a, a a large role in. In Sefer Breshit. And Yaakov has many children. And there, as opposed to the case of Esav and Yaakov, there isn't a question of one in, one out. Only one will continue the Jewish people. It's clear from the beginning that all 12 are the Jewish people. But there still is a certain reference, a certain tension concerning the Bechorah. Uh, that's what I'm reading into it. In other words, it doesn't say that that's what's going on with uh, Yosef and his brothers. But but Yaakov is sensitive to who is his Bechot. Because when he gives out the Bechot, the end of the Sefer, at the end of the book, he says, Ruven Bechoriata. He says, Ruven, you are my Bechor. And this should all be understood in the light of the rather difficult Psukim. It's not going to help us very much. But the Psukim in Divrei Hayamim, first parak Pasuk Hay, it's listing all the Jews. It's listing the children of Yaakov. Uvnei Reuven. Bechor Yisrael. Divya Yamim. You can never be sure if Bechor Yisrael means the firstborn of the man Yaakov, whose name was Yisrael, or the Bechor Yisrael, the Bechor of the Jewish people. Bnei Reuven Bechor Yisrael. And then the Pasuk explains it. Ki hua Bechor. He was really the firstborn. Ubechalolo Yitzvay Aviv. Nitna Bechor Atod Ibnei Yosef Ben Yisrael. Because of the sin, which is called the sin of Bilha, his Bechorah, the Bechorah of Ruvain, was given to Yosef ben Yisrael, was given to Yosef. Then the Pasuk says something which we don't know what it means at all. But not to be counted as the firstborn, because this particular Pasha in Debei Yamim is counting the Jews in order, and the first one counted as Ruvain. So he's saying the Bechorah was taken, Ruvain is the Bechor Yisrael, the Bechorah was taken from him, given to Yosef, but, but not for the point of Yichus, not for the point of, of, of counting or, or, or listing. And then the next Pesach says, Ki Yehuda gavar be'echav, ulen nagid mimenu, ba'bechorah le'yosef. Because Yehuda, who is the fourth son, he surpassed his brothers to be a nagid, to be the leader. Nagid is similar to the word melech, similar to the word king, to be in charge. And then it says again, v'abachorah Yosef. But the b'chorah was given to Yosef. The next passage, just so you can be completely confused, gets back to the point of counting names, b'nei ruvein, b'chor Yisrael, chanoch ufalu chetzron b'chami. 
So Ruvain is called the Bechor. Political leadership, if you would suggest that that's what the Bechorah is, as was true in many kingdoms, especially in Western Europe, that the Bechor, the firstborn, was the political leader after his father, and that, that, that goes to Yehuda, who's never called the Bechor. But, but the Pasuk felt the necessity to make sure you didn't misunderstand. The Bechorah was taken away from Ruvain and given to Yosef, Ki for Yehuda is the surpassed all his brothers, and he's the king, but HaBechorah Yosef. So this person presumably helps us understand what the Bechorah means, but it doesn't actually, because what does it mean that the Bechorah was to Yosef? What quality does Yosef and the tribe of Yosef exhibit, which you can say is a reflection of them being them, of them, of them, of them being the Bechorah, of he, of Yosef being the Bechorah. There is a common answer that's given to this question, which is a very technical answer, and I think really would, couldn't possibly be the whole thing, and that is that Yosef, the child of Yaakov, uh, receives two portions in Eretz Israel. He gets a pishnayim, the classic halachic uh, benefit of being a bechor, of getting a double portion in the inheritance. So yes, Yosef, meaning Ephraim and Menashe, his two sons, each one of whom is considered to be a tribe equal to the other sons of Yaakov. In the end, it turns out that Yosef, as a the father of Ephraim and Menashe, gets a double portion. But that's not... That's not the point here, and nor is it really clear that that's the reason. It's true that uh, each one of them, Yaakov, took the two sons of Yosef to be as though his children in Vayichi, and therefore guaranteed them independent uh, Nachalot, but the word Bechor doesn't, isn't mentioned there. It's a nice, Pishnaim. That doesn't appear to be what's going on here, and in any event, that's not the Pshat in what I'm looking for now, the Pshat of what is the Bechor of, of Yitzchak, that Yaakov is the Bechor, or Esav is the Bechor, so that has nothing to do with the division of Eretz Israel. Of, uh, of Pishnai. So the truth is, although there's a lot of Bechorah, and, and we see from this Pasuk in Devei uh, Yamim that Yaakov also took the Bechorah away from, uh, took the Bechorah away from Uvein and gave it to, of all people, Yosef. Not Shimon, not Levi, not, uh, not Yudah. It wasn't just disinheriting, but it was giving it out to somebody else. Uh, but we're not really sure what it's all about. We do realize that apparently it can be, it can be moved around. Yaakov could buy it, and Yaakov could give it. Could, uh, Yaakov could buy the Bechorah of Yitzchak, and Yaakov could take the Bechorah of Yaakov and hand it over and deliver it to uh, Yosef and take it away from, take away from Uvein. But what does it really mean? What is, its, what is its content? I don't really know how to answer that question. Uh, on the one hand, it, it has to have some importance, or else we wouldn't be arguing about it so much. On the other hand, it doesn't seem to have any practical ramifications. Unquestionably, Yosef was brought and tried. They eventually contributed kings to Israel, but that's not, that's not the Bechorah of the Jewish people. It's, a, it's, it's part of the partition. It's a, different, it's a problem. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not an answer to the question. So what, what, what I'd like to say is not really an answer to the question, but, but taking the question is more important than the answer. I think Sefer Bereshit is conducting a campaign against the importance of the Bechorah. I'm saying it's not an answer because it has to have some importance or else you couldn't campaign against it. I'm not sure what the importance was. What did Yaakov expect? But I think that Sefer Bereshit is trying to tell us it's not all that important at all. It doesn't actually have any significance.
the fact is that in Sefer Bereshit, the Bechor, the natural Bechor, the firstborn son, never comes out ahead. This begins with very Avamavinu, which, technically speaking, is not as good a proof because there are other factors there involved as well. But nonetheless, Ishmael was firstborn to Avraham before Yitzchak. But Yitzchak is the successor of Avraham and not Ishmael. So there's an extra factor that Ishmael was the son of a, of a, of a maidservant, of a shivcha. So perhaps that legally uh, would uh, disqualify him. Could be, very well. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, that's actually what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says that Savas said to Avraham, send him away, get rid of him. I don't want him to lareshet im bini im Yitzchak. He shall not be part of the inheritance. And God says to Avraham, ki be Yitzchak yikarei lechazara. It's a divine command that Yitzchak is, uh, is your son. The truth is, Pasuk doesn't say Yitzchak is the Bukh of Avraham. It says he's the only son of Avraham. Ki be Yitzchak yikarei lechazara. He's the one who bears the name child of Abraham. We see that at the Akedah as well, where God says to Abraham, et bincha et yechidcha, asher ahavta et Yitzchak, your son, your only son. So Yitzchak, okay, so that's, that's not a great example, but it's still, it's, it's going to, I'm adding it to my list. Because once, from the very beginning, the, the Bechod, the firstborn, the natural, physical, biological firstborn, doesn't come out ahead at all. In the case of Yitzchak and Yaakov, it's more explicit. Esav is called the Bechor. Yaakov buys the Bechor. True, it sounds like he's trying to maintain the system by buying it. But as I pointed out, I don't think that's the reason why he gets the Bechor. He gets the Bechor because Rivka chooses him and gets uh, Yitzchak willy-nilly to agree, whether he realizes it or not, that it should be given to Yaakov because he's the person who deserves it. This, without even mentioning the many, many Mephashim who say that Yitzchak never intended to give the Birkat Avraham, the spiritual legacy of the Jewish people, to Esav. As we see, he doesn't mention Avraham in the Bechad that he gives Yaakov or Esav. He mentions merely, merely uh, the bounty of the land. And later on, when he calls Yaakov and sends him to Chavan, uh, then he says to him, Birkat Avraham, and you will arash it to Tavitz Azot. It seems to be unconnected to what took place beforehand. But in any event, we've already proven that the Bechorah is now what goes behind it. If you ask me what the importance of the story of the buying of the Bechorah is, I think it's because of something else entirely. The story ends. Perik Chafei Pasuk Lamadam Yaakov Natan Esav Lechem Unuzid Adashim Yaakov gave Esav bread and the and the bean porridge. Vayochal Vayesht Esav now Esav ate and he drank. Vayakom Vayelach and he stood up and went. Vayivez Esav et Habechova. I think the parsha is about Esav and not Yaakov. It's telling us how little the Bechorah meant to Esav that he was willing to sell it for a bowl of porridge and that afterwards, as psychologically can be understood, when you have sold away for no reason for, for, because you, you didn't value it enough, so then you develop a psychological mechanism to justify and Esav despised the Bechorah. I think that's the real importance of the Pasha. It's come to tell us something about Esav, that Esav would, ra- Esav would rather eat when he was hungry then think of the future. It's indications of the, of the sensual nature of Esav that he couldn't see beyond his nose. He came home and he wasn't, say, he's famished. He wasn't dying. He, he managed to walk into Yaakov's tent, wherever Yaakov was. He's coming back from the field. It's been a long day. Okay, he's hungry. And he says to Yaakov, I'm dying. He literally says, I'm dying. He says, I should sell my Bechorah. What choice do I have? I'm about to die. Why would I want Bechorah? And then he eats. And listen to the way the Pasuk is, 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 is structured. 
He ate, he drank, he got up and walked away. It's, it's the, 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 the staccato nature of the Pasuk is telling you that, okay, he, just, he sat there and ate and walked out. But then, he despised the Bukhorah. The Bukhorah is a very small thing in the eyes of Esau, perhaps because it's a psychological justification of having sold it. I think that's clearly true. But nonetheless, that's a fact. Esau is not, it's telling us something about Esau, it's not a real competition here. Whatever the Bukhorah means, it means nothing to Esau. That's what I think the first part is about. But it's nothing to do with the future of Amisa. And then we see the same thing, of course, in Yaakov and his children. He has one Bukhor who he demotes. He then appoints Yosef to be the Bukhor. It's not political power. It's not, it's not the spiritual leadership of Amisa. You have kings, you have priests. You have other, there are other jobs. What exactly is the Bukhor of Yosef within the context of of Am Yisrael, Yosef ben Yisrael, as it says in the Vayamim, I honestly don't know, but I think we can really say that it doesn't mean he's first. It's a certain, certain stature. It's a sign of Yaakov's love for Yosef, but it doesn't actually give you any any value. It doesn't give you any rights in any sense, over the others. And the subterranean uh, conflict in Sefer Bishit about the Bukhorah, it's expected, it's definitely an expectation. But I think what the, the Sefer is telling us is that that's a mistake. That the, the roles in Am Yisrael and the rights of the various brothers will be based on their intrinsic value. Esav lost the Bechorah in retrospect because Vayivez Esav at Bechorah. He didn't value it, so why should he have it? It doesn't come because you were born first. Birth is irrelevant. In fact, the Pasuk in the Vayam says, when I, when I list you, I'm going to put Ruben first. He was born first, so he, that's Yichas, okay? That's not important either. The real Bukhara goes to Yosef and doesn't actually grant him anything at all. Similarly, in the children of Yaakov, Uvein doesn't count because he wasn't worthy. Shimon Velevi don't count because they were they weren't worthy. Yudah counts, but not because he's the next in line. Because he Gabal Bechav, he he took a role, apparently referring to Pashad Vayigash, he's the one who stood up in front of all of them and he led them. In the confrontation with Paro to save Yosef, to save, uh, excuse me, to save Binyamin. Uh, he really stood out. It was a choice based on his abilities. And Yosef was the littlest of them all, but for one reason or another, is the ruler in Egypt. So he's the ruler in Egypt. And at that point, he definitely is the, you know, he's, he's in charge of the Jewish people, but it doesn't continue afterwards. And nonetheless, he's called a Bukha for some unknown, to my, in my mind, to some unknown quality. I think you have a polemic against the concept of Bechorah. That somehow firstborns are, are, are better, stronger, more worthy, and more deserving. And apparently the idea that the Bechorah does deserve more is so deeply ingrained that it was important for the Torah to, to uproot it, not by saying it's irrelevant, but by showing us how it simply fades. It's a fact of life which might have some social quality, but it fades away when you have to make a practical decision. And the practical decision is based on much more important factors, namely 
personal worth and personal value. So within the same parasha, Yaakov has to work double. He wants the Bechorah for every reason he wanted it, he had to go get it. But for the Bechorah which he wanted, or which he, more correctly, Rivka wanted for him, you start from scratch. Yaakov is invested in Esav for reasons that he thinks Esav deserves. Kitzayid Befiv, for the hunt is in his mouth. And, uh, and he's mistaken, apparently. At least Rivka thinks he's mistaken. And therefore she corrects him. And then she corrects him. And the Bacha comes to Esav uh, because he really deserves it. Uh, halachically, if he didn't deserve it, it probably wouldn't work. So we call him Mekach Tod. Esav, Yaakov, Yitzchak gave Yaakov the Bacha on false pretenses. But Yaakov says right away, Gamba uh, Now that I think about it, I want it to be that way. And therefore the Bacha sticks and Yaakov continues the legacy of Am Yisrael and founds and founds and founds Beit Yisrael. There is one other reference to Bechorah in the Torah and Parat in Parashat Shmon. When God tells Moshe to say to Mitzrayim, to say to Paron, B'ni Bechori Yisrael. In the peoples of the world, peoples of the world are children to God, but the Bechor is Yisrael. B'ni Bechori Yisrael. Does it mean most loved? That would apply to Yosef. It was why Yosef is Bechor Yaakov. Because indeed he loved him most. Perhaps it really implies the requirement of respect. You are Mitzrayim. You are enslaving Yaakov. You shouldn't be doing it. There is some status. I, I, I agree. There is definitely a status and a stature according to the Bechor. But practically speaking, when it comes to what job we give you, what rights we give you, I think Sefer Beshit, in a number of places, is designed to tell us it's now what happens. The little son will very often, this actually goes back even to Shem Ben Noach, who, at least a simple reading of the Pshat, was not the Bechor of Noach. Yefet was the Bechor of Noach. And there was a discussion in Chazal who was actually older. And, and Abraham was definitely not the oldest of, uh, of Terach. Uh, and in any event, in the really important Pashiot, in our Pashiot, where there is a Bechor, he gets disqualified and disinherited or pushed aside on a, regular, on a regular basis. So I haven't really solved the problem here, but I think we have thought as to what the Bechorah really means and why it was so important for the Torah to correct any misapprehension that I think uh, people might have had or we, or we might have had. And uh, that's really the ramifications for, the, for today as well because it's, it's, really, it's built into human uh, understanding that your firstborn is your firstborn and there's something special there. And the Torah is telling us to be very careful about that conclusion to not base any genuine distribution of role and power on, on, on that basis. Shabbat Shalom.